play is coming home from college. Home to Beverly Hills. Who's he going with? Nobody. <laughs> and to his two closest friends. Do you ever think about me? All the time. Well, you've been away for a long time. I've met a lot of new and interesting people. This is great. The three of us together again, seeing you. Home to the rich. How's MIT? It's weird and stimulating. All you have to do is relax. I'm going to pay you back. All you need to do is trust me. I don't want to trust you, Julian. I just want my 50K, all right? The beautiful. You don't look happy. But do I look good? <laughs> and the out of control. I think Julian's in a lot of trouble. This cannot go on forever. You owe me a lot of cash. What's going on? I'm serious. He disappears, nobody knows where, and then he comes back like nothing ever happened. You've been busting your butt for Julian since day one, and it's a waste of time. Do whatever I can. I'll do whatever it takes. Where is he? What? You. Leave us alone. Julian! Everyone is accountable. Make me understand, Julian. I really want to understand. Sometimes you can have anything in the world your heart desires except the way it used to be. Andrew McCarthy, Robert Downey Jr., Jamie Gertz, James Spader. Check me out, I'm gonna make a serious comeback. Great! Less than zero. So Brent, did you go did you go to David's party this weekend? Oh, I don't even remember. I was so wasted. <laughs> so was everybody else there, but he's got he just redesigned his mansion that it's got it had 10,000 monitors, video monitors, like old school video monitors. It had like just naked statues all over the place. It had floating icebergs in the three different pools in the backyard. Uh it's quite quite a sight that we're going to have to uh we're gonna have to videotape that next time and, and just kind of tweet it out. It sounds like an NXS video. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. I wish I, I wish I had uh, stayed sober long enough to remember, but those parties, <laughs> those parties like that, I just can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. And David, very late arriving to the building for today's uh, recording, but he's here now. Uh, I made it. So all that, you know, what a, a crazy party you have this weekend got me thinking, what movie could we possibly talk about uh, this week? And not only are we just coming off of our summer of action, but this is going to kickstart Andrew McCarthy August, the hey. annual <laughs> celebration uh, here at Reconsidimation. You're part of me now. I got you in here. Just put your arms around me and hold on tight. But this, uh, this is the this is the 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 opening of the Andrew McCarthy. Yes, this is the, uh, the debut of the annual uh, party. light the fireworks, confetti cannons, net go. <laughs> so with that, welcome to another episode of Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today. So. Let's talk about it. Less than zero. Less than zero. Yeah. Oh. This That's is exciting. Right. We're, we're talking. Andrew McCarthy has, has never appeared on, on Reconcinimation before. And uh, this is quite a day. That's yeah. right. That's right. I wasn't wasted at David's party. I just felt wasted watching Robert De Niro in the, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robert De Niro was nowhere to be found. It, it'd be interesting if he were in this movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, I feel like you can get like a, a contact high just from holding the DVD. Of yeah. this movie. <laughs> like, this Absolutely. Is a, this is a drugged up film. Yeah. And Andrew, so Andrew McCarthy is kind of, when you think about him, you think about his, I don't know, the, a lot of his movies are on the lighter side, the kind of the fluffier, um, just, I, I wouldn't say lighthearted, but the lighter tone, really. So, mm-hmm. uh, sure. and we are indeed going to get to some of those, but we're going to start with a, a, a heavier one, a darker one uh, with less than zero. And I'm just going to plug it right here. If you want to learn a little bit more about Andrew McCarthy, he just put out an autobiography oh. called Brat, an 80s story. So uh, if you're a big McCarthy fan, then a McCarthy maniac, then you can uh, pick that up on Amazon or wherever, you know, brick and mortar stores still exist. So uh, yeah, check that out. That's great. Actually. I'm, I'm going to pick that one up. Yeah. That's cool. Or about the brat pack. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, it feels like he's kind of been out of the spotlight for so long. It'd, it'd be really interesting to see what his perspective is now. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Uh, cool. Some of those, Look, some of those books are very like, what's that, Brent? I said I'm writing that down. Yeah, <laughs> some of those books, uh, you know, get real into the the gossipy side of things, and some are, you know, some don't. They're pretty straightforward. So I'm curious to see where his falls in in there. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's got plenty of stories. Oh my god, so, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. There's a bunch that, yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? But. It'll be interesting to read that book, I think. So, less than zero. Do you do you guys consider it a Brat Pack movie? I mean, I don't. Is, I, is Downey in the Brat Pack? Well, that's that's one of the things that that there's is so Gertz many in the Brat Pack. There's so many like associates of yeah. the Brat Pack. Like, who who is your what's your definition of the the Brat Packers? It's it's you know the Breakfast Club. It's the Sixteen Candles people, Saint Elmo's Fire, right? Like that. Yeah, group. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I yeah. mean it, it's at, it's at least at minimum brat pack adjacent, right? Like it's, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's, it's the same era. It's the same young up and coming, you know, they're all part of that kind of it crowd. But when I think of the brat pack, I do think of like, um, you know, more like, uh, was it Judd, Judd uh, Nelson? Thank you, Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald and uh, you know the you know the Breakfast Club for sure is yeah. is kind of the the short list of people that I think about. Yeah, it's Breakfast Club and Saint Elmo's Fire are sort of your key brat packers. So that's yeah. your you know rising young stars of the early, I guess, more, more mid eighties. Uh, who all became superstars and some of them briefly and some still to this day are still big yeah. names. So uh, Although Downey, like, Downey was in weird science too, right? So Downey's in weird science. Was, so there's yeah, a lot so, of yeah. associates of it. I mean, Charlie Sheen, not a Brat Packer, but he's in a lot of movies with the Brat Packers. His um, brother's a Brat Packer though. His so brother's like, a, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, we have to stop saying the word Brat Packer. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough good 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 call good call i mean i know we're talking about them i'm sorry it's just it keeps i i yep. the other no. i think part of my other thing is like i don't give i don't care <laughs> like about the them as a group but i get it like there's this yeah 
like there's the there's like that main core group that like always work together and then you know yeah then there's they mix with all these other folks and everyone became a star and yeah various levels like there was just it's it's insane like how many big stars came like together in the 80s like came came up together yeah like in the in the virtually like the same like four years like to become like huge and yeah it's really it's fascinating from that point of view because you don't really like you get little groupings of folks like i'd say in the 2000s i guess you had like the, the apatow crew like you know mm-hmm. those the, that sure. was like a, that's a grouping but like comparatively like who like these days i don't even know if there is one in 2021 like not yeah, like, a, not like I a don't, group it doesn't feel like it i mean they don't I don't know so many of these films and because there's so many being made, everything feels so separate. Whereas these films in the eighties a lot, you know, kind of paired right with the John Hughes films. It all felt like this incoming class of teen teenage or, you know, actors in their young twenties that are all coming in at once and sort of taking over the the town in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hmm. But yeah. yeah, Is, this is this is another young sexy cast uh of that era yeah which i don't know i guess i would say I, you can't just say any movie that has any of that those actors in it is a brad pack movie but oh. uh this one feels close like i mean it feels like jamie gertz kind of is floating around that group a little bit and so was downey so i'd probably call this one in that that category Okay, so I'll you're saying I mean, you're saying it's yeah. it, so depending on the content and who's involved, it's open to interpretation. I think so. Yeah, kind of like 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 makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie. <laughs> like if, if very much so. Yeah, Nakatomi Tower and Christmas songs. Yeah. Yes. Oh wait, wait till we get to this year's Christmas movies. You guys are this is going to be quite a debate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right, so. Uh, here we go. Less than zero. It's a novel. It was originally a novel written by Brett Easton Ellis. It's his first novel and the first movie to be, uh, you know, transferred from a, a novel to a film. So or mm-hmm. adapted. So it was uh, it was published in 1985 and he was only 21 when he wrote this. He started it in 1980. Uh, it gets finished in 85. So and he was still in school. He was still a student in college. Yeah, that's bananas. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And have you guys have you guys read any Brett Easton Ellis? I have not. Uh, I've read American Psycho, uh, but that's the only one. And I've read a little bit about uh, Less Than Zero. You know, just uh, kind of more the differences between the book and and mm-hmm. the adaptation of the or the film. Yeah, yeah. But uh, American Psycho is the only book that I've read of his. Yeah, and he's got such a distinct style, and all of his 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 works are all very they're very similar. They're not quite the same, but the characters are very similar in that they're very detached, emotionally detached. They um, are very a lot of them are very passive. That there's violent and really disturbing things happening either to these characters or around these characters and nobody's really doing anything about it or saying anything about it or really like sort of batting an eye about it. Um, And just watching these characters float through the story and whether, I don't know that I get very, 
I feel like I have a lot of anxiety with his stuff because I'm just like want I want somebody to do something like say something mm-hmm. do something and it's just not going to happen that's just the world that sort of the uh the Brett Easton Ellis universe cinematic universe uh, that he's created <laughs> um but this story follows uh, a character named Clay as he returns home for Christmas break uh back from college and trying to reconnect with uh, his closest friends and getting gets involved with uh, all the happenings of their lives and their, their, you know, young, hip LA rich kids and uh, very deeply involved in the Los Angeles drug scene. And uh, it gets the book, the book, we'll talk about how the book and the movie differ from each other, but in the book, he it's really just a sort of like a series of vignettes as he's always looking for either Julian or Rip or somebody and floating from party to party and situation to situation. And, and all these just very graphic things are going on around them. And nobody, nobody thinks that like thinks twice of it. They're just laughing about it and, and uh, having a, like a crazy party around it. So yeah, there's less of a, real plot in the book it's just kind of watching things happen and the movie you know we'll talk about how they changed it for that but um yeah and apparently this <laughs> these characters are very much very close to uh, a school that was i don't know if it's still in existence but it's called the buckley school in sherman oaks and uh it sounds like certain things are very much modeled after what was going on at that school in the early 80s and a hmm. lot of celebrities and stars like Michael Jackson went to school there and uh, Danny Bonaducci. So <laughs> huge star, huge yeah. star. Massive. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think like Brooke Shields and, you know, a, a yeah. lot of that, that era uh, passed through there and they were at least Bonaducci w- was saying like, this is, they, they owe him royalties for this. <laughs> <laughs> he would say that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. All these characters are, they're all very emotionally alien, alienated and they, they struggle with identifying with themselves and each other. And it's, it's, uh, it's very, I've always found it very hard to, to read. Um, it's just, these characters are so, you almost despise them, <laughs> all of them. Even like your, your, you know, Clay in the book is, is just not a good guy really at all. So when that's your lead, it's tough. Yeah. It's hard to have like a likable character. Like I didn't read the book, but like I, I read about what, what changed and everything. And it's like, it's, you know, you, you want to have a, an easy way in to sort of sympathize, but like um, with your protagonist, I mean, if he's that lead character, but um, not, not every, not every protagonist is going to be like, have that virtue or anything like that, like that you would want to relate to. So I can see changing it for the, for the film to at least say like, you know, they're not that explicit about it, but he, he kind of, he left that lifestyle behind and, but he still, and he still cares about like his best friend and his ex-girlfriend who, you know, betrayed him. And he, you know, he, he still loves them very much. And, uh, but you know, like things aren't so binary. Um, yeah. Especially like when you're losing yourself in like these, these, these addictions and, and, and what it takes to survive. Uh, all that so it's 
it's an interesting exploration. So I'm, I'm curious to read the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't know if it'd give me a better insight into it's into well, the, the book story. is, uh, the book is a lot darker from what I've, what I've gathered. I mean, the, yeah. the, the drug of choice in the book is I think more heroin than it is cocaine. And there's a lot more having to do with the prostitution and even some underage prostitution and things mm-hmm. like that going on in the book that, that are just non-existent here in in the movie. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, even, even uh, uh, Brett Easton Ellis has said that, you know, that the, the book and the movie are, you know, they're not the other than, other than the names and that it's in Southern California. Like there's really nothing about it. That's, that's, that's related. Yeah. They're like entire, it's sort of like game of Thrones, the like, last two books and the last few seasons completely separate you know the book and the tv series are two totally different you know realities almost and and this is it's the same for less than zero so um but you know so the movie the book is a a very successful comes out in 85 and they go right into uh trying to to adapt it to a feature film when was uh let's hit it when was the first time this movie crossed onto your radars brent did you see it when you were younger you catch it later i definitely didn't see it when i was younger but it's i've always known about it i remember very distinctly the the vhs cover and poster of of robert downey jr sitting with his back up against you know the white wall and the pool in the background and that so that's i i remember that from you know when it was released, mm-hmm. uh, but I never saw it. Uh, wouldn't have been a movie that I would have like sought to like sought after to, you know, I, I wouldn't have been trying to hunt this one down to, to check it out. So actually I hadn't really, I hadn't seen it until, until just recently when we watched it for, uh, for the podcast it was, I think the first time I'd seen it. If I had seen it before, I, I certainly don't remember any of it. Maybe I'd seen bits and pieces, but nothing uh, never all the way through. So this is a this is a first time watch for you. It is a first time watch for me. Yeah, very absolutely. rare. Yeah, probably probably not as yeah maybe. You've seen all the movies. You've seen them all. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> um, David, what about you? Yeah, no, I've never. I'm aware of it. I don't remember when I would have been aware of it, but uh, I've never seemed interested in the the subject matter <laughs> um so it, it's something i just sort of never had the the chance to really uh to to, to look at so uh, it was first time for me watching it for the show interesting okay so i guess i'm i'm the veteran on this one when did you see it last first? last episode was uh last action hero i was the basically the rookie for that now the tide has turned gentlemen it's back to normal. <laughs> back to normal. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, it right, all comes. Everything. <laughs> it all comes full circle. When did I, you uh, first see it? I well, I same the same as Brent. Like I remember seeing it in the video store back at Movies One. I remember seeing the poster and and it always stood out to me. And at the time, it was like, oh, I really want to see that movie. It's got the guy from Mannequin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's glad I didn't see it as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old, whatever. <laughs> Would have been a. I don't even know if you could process this at all. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, I probably would have uh, drifted off somewhere and got out my my G.I. Joe toys and had more of my attention on that. Yeah. 
but I didn't see it. Um, I didn't end up seeing it till 2002. And uh, I was back when I was collecting DVDs. This was definitely one of those. That, oh, I want to see that movie. I'm just going to buy it. And then sat on it for a while. And when I moved to LA, I brought uh, four movies with me. And all that's, I had, I had nothing basically. And I had, I was coming to LA to like find a job, find an apartment. And I found an apartment. It was empty for like weeks. All I had was my, like a few clothes, my laptop, and I had four DVDs with me and less than zero was one of them. <laughs> so I remember, uh, it was very overwhelming moving to LA like without um, I was supposed to have a job when I got here and then it didn't work out. So I'm like, I get here. I don't have the job I thought I had, which is why I moved here <laughs> and then right. uh, had to find an apartment, had to, you know, like completely start over, had no money. So I remember just like endlessly looking for apartments and just feeling like, I don't, you know, there's so much here. Like, I, I don't know where I want to live or what, you know, what I should be doing. And I had like, there was a day that I had just almost a mental breakdown. I was so frustrated. And I remember going up to my uncle's house who was, you know, I was staying with for a little bit and like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit and watch a movie for the rest of the afternoon. And I put in less than zero and I was like, wow, no, I feel even worse. <laughs> <laughs> not a feel good movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, definitely it, it, uh, stuck in my memory for sure so uh it sunk in with that one but everything turned around almost immediately after that so everything was was good but that's my uh, sort of like when i think about the movie i think about that day and like how i felt like i was at sort of rock bottom uh watching this but um yeah, yeah uh all right well let's see what did you how did you guys feel about it? Well, I'm curious now knowing that this is a first time watch for you guys. What was your initial, how did you feel when you finished the movie? David, you want to start? Uh, I mean, I didn't feel great. You know, I don't know. It was like, it was, you know, obviously like pretty sad. Um, just like watching this inevitable decline. And, and I honestly, I thought like, I thought we were going to get like a Hollywood happy ending. Like he, he gets, he's saved, right? Like, or at least away from the, that world. Like he just, they, they wanted to drive him away, get him out of there. Um, so, uh, but like, even still, like even getting him away doesn't mean it'd be like a happy ending. It'd just be like a, a relief really. Mm -hmm. But then there was something to like Downey's character uh, dying. Like there was almost like, it was almost like a relief too. Like, at least now he's not suffering anymore. Like I was really, I was buying into his performance so well. Um, I don't really have, I don't have any, I don't have uh, any serious drug use in my, my personal history. So I couldn't necessarily like what I'm relating to of that is um, I don't know. Like it, 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 I can't relate to that darkness, like where he was necessarily and like how far that addiction can 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 bring someone so i uh, yeah i didn't i didn't feel wonderful and i felt sad and I, I and i wasn't sure i think i was i was just relieved to be done with it because it was start it was hard to sort of gain entry into these characters in southern california these rich people these decadent lifestyles and like 
like just the craziness and the, the idea that these are like 19 year olds super rich 19 year olds like it was it was crazy uh so yeah that's kind of like where i came off just sort of like sad and kind of relieved it was over not because i wanted to get it over with but it's just it it messes with you you know if yeah. you're buying into it yeah i can i can absolutely uh see how you feel that way yeah um Brensky, what about you uh how did i feel after watching well i first i felt i'm really glad we don't live in the 80s anymore <laughs> yeah mostly because yeah. <clears throat> i don't have the hair for it as a bald man <laughs> yeah. um no i mean i don't know there was a bit of a obviously rooted in the 80s like i remember growing up then but i was too young to understand the party scene at that point in my life but as i got older uh you know i did like go through like some struggles with with drugs and alcohol and you know when i first moved out to la like um you know i i was part of why i came out here was to to get away from from uh, you know, bad habits that I had started, uh, back in Texas when I was first getting into my career. And so, um, you know, I'm like 12, 13 years sober now, but that all was kind of like a, a journey. So seeing, seeing some of this, you know, cause the, the movie is dark and it's, you know, now in 2021, it's a lot of it's outdated, but a lot of the struggles that you see with like Robert Downey Jr. and the drug addiction, like, uh, you know, like that, that felt really familiar and kind of, kind of landed with me just because, you know, like cocaine's a, well, I don't want to say this cause it's probably trademarked by, by Dave Chappelle, but cocaine's a crazy drug, man. And so like, you know, it's, uh, to see, to see De Niro, uh, I keep saying De Niro, but, uh, Downey Jr.'s performance in this like felt really familiar and I, I uh after watching the movie like that's what kind of resonated most with me and I, I know I you know having heard the stories before we decided to do the podcast and then doing some research for the podcast you know like obviously his um his portrayal in this movie like took him down a really dark path that that you know he was fortunate enough to to make himself or find himself out of but but uh, I was thankful just in my own journey to, to be able to get away from it. And it's kind of interesting to kind of see his performance here. And, you know, it, it took me back to some stuff that, uh, you know, was n- not, not a great part of my life. So uh, the movie is interesting for me in that, in that capacity. So, uh, but yeah, I just kind of, I had, I had a lot to think about after the movie based on that. Very thankful for, for where I am compared to where I could have been. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's heavy, man. It's, this is, uh, it's not an easy movie to, to watch. I mean, even if, you know, you haven't gone through it yourself, a lot of people have uh, friends or family that, that go through it. So I think a lot of people can see it from various characters point of view. Um, the it's, I don't like love this movie as a whole, but there are things that I really respected and I thought were really well done in it. You know, yeah. the per- Downey's performance is like number one. Um, I actually think Jamie Gertz's performance is, is underrated and um, not 
talked about enough as far as her career goes. I was struggling with her performance when we first got into the movie. Yes. But by the end of the movie, I was like, man, she really, the, the, like the overall arc of her character, like really turned it around for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I really did end up thinking that she was really strong. But at first I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. This might yeah. be too annoying for me to even get through. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like I agree completely, especially the first time I saw it. And seeing it again, I see a little more of the subtle things she was doing that I, I could really appreciate. Um, but the, the movie as a whole, like I, I, I feel like it's just this Hollywood sort of anti-drug thing and it wasn't really that's not what it was set up to be and definitely not what the book is but i can under, also understand why they would change it like the way they did yeah well i mean in the 80s right like cocaine was like the big drug just say no to drugs like there was a whole like the war on drugs mm-hmm. and everything was was all happening at the same time so it's it's a bit of a obviously it's a bit of a a, a product of the of its time yeah um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know, like it, when watching it, I don't know if it felt heavy handed or if I was just taking a lot of it personally, you know, mm-hmm. like in, and when I was, when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, when Mantra McCarthy's character, Clay finally gets, goes to the party and finds her upstairs, like, and they talk alone and she's pleading with him to help, uh, am I forgetting everyone's character's name? Um, Julian help Julian and her character name is Blair Blair Claire Clay Blair and Julian yeah Yeah. um but like she like when they're finally like right towards the end of the scene and she's like pleading with with him to help it was the the line readings came off like really melodramatic and like silly I was like what's this like it seems a bit out of place um otherwise but like it it's not those takes were not the best takes for that scene i don't know maybe no, it was like the very first thing they shot i'm not sure <laughs> maybe just... maybe but after reading a little bit more more into it uh, you know like i feel like it, part of that is her performance of being a person on cocaine yeah like during during oh, that conversation right. so it's like uh. everything is like sped up you know very short attention span like they're just not you know so it's like absolutely i totally get what you're saying and i think that's I think that's ultimately like by why at the end of the movie, after going through the journey, I was like, Oh wow, that's actually pretty, that was a pretty solid performance. But at first, man, it's totally like, yeah, it throws you and you're like, what is even happening here? Oh, I see. Uh, Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's actually like a creative decision as part of her performance to, Mm -hmm. to do that because it's, it's like her portrayal of someone high on on coke basically. gotcha that makes sense yeah that's right because it's funny he's he's like the reformed clean one. clay is the clean and reformed yep. one or sober one she's like the more casual user who's keeps dipping her toe back in and then julia julian of course just continues to to go like to the extreme all the time and she so she's still a casual user but needs to like wants to pull him out pull him back um, right because like it's it for 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 everyone, I mean, drugs can be very casual and almost nothing. Like, and for others, it's a it, it becomes an anchor. Yeah. Um. So you know, we got three different versions of these like rich rich like uh kids, and in, ter- in terms of and what how drugs relate to their their lives. Like, 
he's he's he had to get away which like you were sort of saying brent for yourself like just getting yeah. away from that um yeah it's, in, it's it's interesting because i i i have a belief that there is no such thing as a casual user of of cocaine you're either using it or you're not because and i think george carlin said something about this but like as soon as you start taking cocaine all you're looking for is more coke to take right. and that's true like it's just kind of part of the the nature of the the drug so you can either take it or you can't now to the degree and like are you a functioning cocaine user versus a non-functioning cocaine user now that's probably probably a bit more like a realistic kind of um outlook on it but right yeah i mean you're either doing it or you're not and it's it's an intense gotcha uh drug to to try and not be doing if, if you don't want to do it i i remember as a kid with like at a certain point with the anti-drug campaigns and what you're what all drugs but of course like marijuana was like looped in with that so at a certain point though like cocaine to me was like the scarier drug because it was like it was to me it was like super expensive and scary and like kill you but like that's more like but like heroin's cheaper than cocaine but can really kill you like yeah heroin can kill you the first time pretty much i think like yeah. you're always taking a chance to die i think and then cocaine is more so but i remember like a friend of mine telling me we were in our young 20s and he told me how he like went to new york to see his friends and like they they partied in new york and went to clubs and he's like and he did cocaine and i'm like you did cocaine are you nuts like yeah um because it's at least like i, I see what you're saying about it but I'm, like it's it seems like it's it shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing you're doing because like like you said you then not if you're doing it you're you're just you're gonna try to keep doing it right right um, yeah like you don't stop doing cocaine until it's gone like once you like whatever cocaine you have for mm -hmm. your for your time you're you will not have any more by the time the the night is over like right. it's just it will be gone mm -hmm. you will do all the cocaine you have gotcha. so at that point when you when you are wake up the question is you know like some people are like oh i don't need to do any more cocaine and that's fine or, and then they go see someone who has cocaine and they that's do some cocaine. cocaine and they do more cocaine and but you either yeah. if if you can get through the night of cocaine and not jump back on the cocaine wagon you can you can step away from coke pretty easily but like once you start it it's like oh you've got some coke let's do the coke gotcha so, so it just needs to be like gone and out of your system yeah absolutely it's, like, it reminds me, the, the, I always think back to the commercial in the 80s, like there was the whole like, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, um, um, you know, uh, push. But there was one that sticks out where it's like a guy sitting in a room and he's like, well, I just do Coke to, so I can do more work, so I can make more money, so I can buy more Coke, so I can do more work, so I can get more money. To, and that's the one that always kind of reminds me because that's kind of the cycle that it, that it is. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah huh anyway that's from well, my experience i don't speak to everybody who's ever used coke sure. but I, I was if you asked someone who's never used coke if i had a heavy coke problem they'd probably say yes but if you asked someone who had a heavy coke problem they'd probably be like that dude's <laughs> rookie so <laughs> you know i mean that's sure. that's about on the on the spectrum as i was but you know it still was a part of the life for a little bit so mm -hmm. hmm. Well, I felt like they did. Um, I felt like they did a good job of her portrayal of it. That you see her doing it, kind of 
almost secretly like all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you, you find, you get to watch her in her private moments. Like she's yeah. not around them. Like, right. Like she's just kind of slipping away and doing it there. And, but even in her performance, that's one thing that, that really registered when I watched it this time is that you can tell whether you see her doing it or not, you can tell that she's on it from just the way she's, the way she's speaking and the difference yeah. in the look in her eyes and what she's actually feeling and versus what she's saying and the, right. the speed that she's moving at, you know, um, I, I think she did. And it really did. It took, it took a couple of viewings to kind of find that layer, but I think that was kind of an amazing performance actually. Like that's a very hard thing to achieve as an actor to yeah. hit those different levels all simultaneously. And it was, it was a stylistic choice by, I think by her to do that. I mean, unless uh, maybe, the, uh, maybe the director was involved with it, but um, that feels like an actor's choice. Well, so, she, got, she got the ability to show the range, right? Because right. like Andrew McCarthy is always not on it. Right. Robert, De Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Damn it. Is always on it. Yeah. She's the in-between where right. like she starts on it, she leaves it, you know, I mean, so she gets to, she, she's really the one that you get to see make a transition throughout the course of the, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know the performances were what really stood out for me. The, the movie as a whole didn't really, I don't know. I just didn't love it. It didn't, it felt, felt like half sort of like a, a grown up after school special, and half just like it didn't go far enough, you know, it, like, like the book, it could have gone, maybe it should have gone a lot further. But um, do you think, do you think though, if you'd have seen this in the eighties, you'd have felt, I mean, because I do think that what we tolerate in movies, as far as, you know, all aspects of, 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 you know, uh, gore or, you know, overuse of things or anything like at this point, yeah. there's a desensitization, you know, we're all desensitized a bit from, from kind of being, seeing the evolution of that. Right. And so mm -hmm. like in the eighties though, like, would it, would it have struck you different, you know? Oh, probably. Yeah. It probably would have hit very hard in, in the eighties. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, the idea, like the reason they changed the, because the book was, you know, much darker and there were much, more intense scenes, you know, like they got pretty conservative with this movie, which I think probably also feeds into the after school special kind of comment there. But mm -hmm. like, I also wonder in the eighties, like, okay, would it have affected you? I mean, from a, from a global audience perspective, like I'm sure there are people in the eighties who saw this movie and were like, that was Tuesday or whatever. But like, you know, I mean, for the for middle america and most of of the country and and stuff like that like maybe it was it was a bit more extreme yeah you know what you're probably right um that's again the perspective of seeing it then versus seeing it now yeah, it's, it's interesting uh we've seen so much more intense you know movies about drug users than this one although this one is you know, when you're talking specifically about down, you know, what we see with Downey, it's, it's really amazing. Um, it's really the Andrew McCarthy side of it. That feels like the weak end of things that he's just this vanilla kind of uh, personality, 
you know, he's devoid of personality, really. Like, he, like you really don't know anything about him, um, which is something that if it played like his character does in the book, it works. Whereas here, it's just kind of a flat, oh, it's just we're supposed to like him because he's Andrew McCarthy. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not and he's not Downey. Like, or, you know, he's not Julian. Right. So right. He's, he's but I don't I like I don't know if this movie's that preachy about the moral the moral choices of the drug use. I mean, it, when he when he pulls Julian away from prostituting himself there, that's the first time there's like shame about what's going on like mm-hmm. that that and it, it's I kind of I kind of like that there's really there's no there's no sense of shame. Well, I guess the parents, I guess Julian's father is also kind of like this. drug shaming kind of guy um which made it made it really difficult to like but like i think there was a lot of shame associated with drug use like you like that 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 weakness of yours uh that weakness that you that you show by continuing to give in is a you know a moral failing or something like that where it should like all of these people like all i feel is like sympathy and sadness but yeah and it's not but I think you just kind of got, depending on like what you know about drugs and when, like you're kind of trained to like, to sort of condemn like the person, right? Hate the, yeah. hate the, yeah. like, but like we're, but you're also taught like to try to hate the, hate the sin, right? Not the sinner in that sense. But like, I remember I told a, a, a close relative of mine of, about uh, someone I knew growing up, growing up. And I was, I was like, oh, and I heard about this, uh, I heard about this guy and like, you know what he, like he got, he fell so hard into drugs and then I was going to continue to just sort of say he got into drugs, went to rehab, then like changed his life is now like sort of the director of this like program and everything. But after I told my relative, like, yeah, he, he got hard into drugs. He just like, like tisked and like shook his mm-hmm. head like he's a lost cause i was like i wasn't yeah. even finished with my sentence and when he did that i was like i was so mad i'm like yeah not, like no one's a lost cause you know yeah. like no there's no shame here like but again it's like depending on what your the message delivery that you got you know yeah uh, or you know. or your experience with people that have had problems right like right because there's certainly people that that do fall uh fall into drug use and and don't make it out you know yeah Uh, and so well yeah and i mean like what if you know someone close to you and they keep robbing you they keep stealing your shit like at a certain point there there has to be like a a place where like i can't help you anymore you know i'm this i mean it's not easy to be sympathetic to someone who's struggling um especially if you're not the one struggling either um so it's 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 hard it's it's uh to to find so like that that's like when when finally clay has some like shaming of him like what are you doing like what it's i found that a little kind of a little odd but i guess it i guess it sort of makes sense of of the time like to him that was the big thing i I don't even think you'd be that mad about the the jewelry being stolen Mm -hmm. and all of that so Mm -hmm. anyway I don't no. Know. Yeah, I, I think he'd be more upset with Julian sleeping with Blair in the first. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah that, like, like it's like that, that's the part where I'm like, how are you guys still buddies? Yeah, because well, you like slept with his 
my girl. <laughs> yeah. And like the funny thing is like the entirety of the movie with the, the first scene at the graduation, I guess was added in later, but like the, the, the conflict of the movie occurred like with them sleeping together over Thanksgiving. Like it's only less than four weeks later. Like, right. yeah, it's, they make yeah, it sound it's like, like two and a half weeks later. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah, the whole timeline of this movie is really what, what it bothers. Yeah, me. It's it a little me boggling. Whole, it, it feels like this is like over the a course of like, of college really like from high school graduation to the end of college like this is how it's sort of evolved or at, at minimum a year yeah. um but this no. is like it's it's six months four, from start to finish it's six okay yeah from the begin from graduation from graduate yeah. so yeah from the beginning of summer to christmas because yeah let's remember this is a christmas movie um <laughs> the, <laughs> exactly uh yeah I, it's just such a drastic change and I remember like when I went to, when I went to school that freshman first semester, like I changed a lot in that, but this is like, I don't know this, like I changed in that, like I grew a goatee and I dyed my hair you know, like, <laughs> that I had at the time. Um, <laughs> Did you get frosted tips and highlights? Oh, I'm totally bleached. <laughs> no shit. Bleached blonde. I wish yeah. I had pictures. I need I, to see pictures of that. I have somewhere. It might be on my Facebook somewhere, but uh, oh, I'll have to start up my Facebook account. Yeah, there you go. Um, get yeah. get off that. MySpace and get into. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, it's so crazy that it just doesn't feel right. This timeline doesn't feel right. And then that gap, like you guys said, between Thanksgiving and Christmas is like two to th- is like three weeks essentially and yeah and so much has changed between like he got so Downey's character after graduating got all this money to open his own business record label he's opened it and it's failed and he's died you know dove into drugs and he's gone to re- he's been in and out of rehab all within three months like yeah how do you how do you yeah. even I mean look okay I like I haven't had a, a drug issue, but how is it that within that period of time, you go from zero to the extreme of having to go into rehab? I mean, isn't it like traditionally one would think it's a sort of a slower process in the beginning that you're not, you know, diving into the deep end immediately. You know, it, it usually would sort of build to that before you're at that point. Well, I think there's probably a moment where you're where you're in between like a a kind of novice user and about to become a heavy user where you're like, oh shit, like I have a problem. Right. And so he's you know, graduated high school, he's blown his fifty thousand that he was supposed to start the record label with. He's now fifty thousand in debt to rip, right? And so at some point you got to be like, Oh, I failed because I, my business has failed because I've made these decisions. I need to get my shit back on track. Right. So that's like August. That's the end of the summer. (laughs) And Clay's not even gone yet. (laughs) After he's blown his 50, you know, and it's like, all right. So he goes to rehab thinking, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get better. And then he falls right back out of it because the only people around him are, you know, they're, they're enablers. Right. And so now he's 50,000 in debt, rips his buddy who happens to be throwing Coke at him, but 
you know, like just let him, letting him build up a tab while he does this stuff on the side, I suppose at towards the end to, to make up the money. But, you know, it's just, I think there's that moment between your old life and your now heavy drug using life where you still have a glimpse of, I can get out of this. I I'm going to go to rehab. And so that's probably what happened. And I mean, I'm making all this up, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's, that's how I see it playing out. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't feel right. You know, it, it's no, I mean, it, the timeline is still very, it's ex, it's ex, yeah. it's expedited for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like you even just pushing it to, you know, one year later, it just, it just makes more sense and feels like you could believe all that would have happened in the course of a year rather than, you know, for four months or something like that, because, right. you know, you would think clay leaves for college in August, you know, their plan was to spend the summer together, right. In the graduation scene. So he leaves in August. So really this has happened over a period of about three months. Right. That's so, like, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that, that I struggled with that the whole, the whole time. And, and each time I've watched it, but, uh, yeah, so let's talk let's talk a bit about the production of the movie. Let's let's dial let's switch gears for a second. So okay. um <clears throat> the book comes out very successful. The the uh story is optioned in in the same year 1985 for uh about $7500 with the intention that Fox is going to is going to produce a, a feature for the film. Um the the studio gets into it. They have uh, Harley Payton come on and and or sorry not uh, not Harley Payton Michael Christopher come on and write the first draft uh, but they want significant changes some of which we've talked about but let's let's get into more granular level here uh, they they want to create an actual storyline because like I said that the book just does not have that it's more of this free floating kind of um, glimpse of characters rather than an actual uh, through line and even the Julian storyline is is quite different in it. I mean, he lives in the book. Yeah, like he doesn't. This ending is entirely different, and Julian is sort of just one of the characters. He's not, um, you know, maybe a little bit more featured, but he's he's just one of you know the characters in Clay's uh, life. Yeah, there's whereas... a, there's a much larger revolving door of characters in the book than there is in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Like in the movie there's there's really four characters, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Clay, there's there's Blair, there's Julian and there's there's Rip. Yeah. You know. Yeah, in the book there's a guy named Trent who you see for a second like he just says, "Hey Trent," when he goes into the party. And like, yeah. that's Trent in the movie. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, and, and another huge change is is making Clay a really a, a likable character. Um, they take him in the book. He's a he's a casual quote unquote drug user, right. and he is you know privy to all of these horrible things that are happening. And he's very passive and just he'll sit and watch, you know, someone getting raped or someone injecting heroin and not really bat an eye to, to help them. Um, he's just kind of more just fascinated by it and, and enjoys observing it. Right. Uh, so 
you know, if when you're making a movie, you're not going to draw a lot of people in the audience to a character like that if that's your lead, uh, no. especially at this time that's, period. That's nobody's hero. Yeah, like you know, you can't yeah. you can't build a protagonist around that. Yeah, so uh, they they make him much more straightforward, a quote unquote you know hero character. Uh, he was also, uh, I believe, he was bisexual in the book, and he's got right. he's having sort of. Uh, sexual encounters with all sorts of people throughout the book. All that's gone here. He's a uh, straightforward, you know, non-drug user. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's like you said, he's he's vanilla, but he's vanilla for a purpose, right? Because sure. he's, he's, he's meant to be, you know, he's the conservative, like, um, um, character for, for, for all those audience members to, to, you know, relate to or yeah. attach to. Yeah, they can project themselves onto him. Yeah. Finding whatever whatever relatable kind of thing he may say or do. Yeah. I think. Well, it's also, you know, in the casting process, which uh, we're going to talk about now um, as Fox brought in John Avnet to produce the film coming off of the success of Risky Business and what he did with, you know, helping give, really give that boost to Tom Cruise, which he would get other boosts later on, but Risky Business was the first real big one for him. Mm -hmm. uh, looking for the same kind of action here. And when you're bringing a Brat Packer uh, into, the, <laughs> into the fold here. It still doesn't work. I know. <laughs> um, you know, Andrew McCarthy, he's got a, a huge audience coming with him with expectations that, you know, they, they kind of dabbled with it in Bright Lights, Big City with with Michael J. Fox and, and having him. Oh, this is you know, this isn't Teen Wolf. This isn't uh, Back to the Future. Like he's a much darker, edgier character. And I don't yeah. know, you know, that wasn't that successful. So they're not going to do that here with Andrew McCarthy. They're going to keep him the straightforward, you know, lead uh, that you can respect and Come along there's with. also there's also really no opportunity for him to show any like i mean part of what works for tom cruise in risky business is it gives him the opportunity to be charismatic and you know there's some moments in there where it's fun and you know like there are standout moments where it's like you know him having a good time doing whatever and none of that is you can't even shoehorn any of that into this this movie this movie's not about that like yeah. it's just it's this is this movie is based off dark, depraved material, really, in a lot of in a lot of ways. And they they you know made it more vanilla for for audiences, but it's still like it's a dark movie. Like, I yeah. mean, there's dark tones, there's dark things going on. It's about, you know, uh struggle. And it's not, it's not, you know, I mean, I just like, I think the performances are fine, but I, I don't think they gave An uh, Andrew McCarthy any kind of opportunity to really rise up to, to that. If that's what they were trying to, to they were trying to find that um, way to, to promote him and mm -hmm. his career. Like, I think that this would be a hard movie uh, to do that on. Well, there's no like, there's no big scene for him. There's no big moment. Right. You know, I think Downey gets a couple here, but there's really like nothing, like you said, to make McCarthy stand out. And they're just kind of going with that. 
I don't know, with, with his own kind of energy, just like trying to translate that uh, yeah. for this character, you know? And I mean, I like Andrew McCarthy. He's great, but this character is very all kind of one note, yeah. you know? Well, and he's so, you know, in a different way, he's sort of passive in the first half of the movie that, you know, he's hands in his pockets and just kind of, no, nobody's really saying how they really feel or what they really mean. Everyone's kind of dancing around it, not confronting each other. Clearly, like, he's got, I think you see it in that first scene with him in his uh, East Coast apartment when he gets the call to, like, you know, from Blair about coming back to visit or her needing him to come back. And uh, you see like the sadness there and, and how much, how many feelings he's got about losing his best friend and his, his girlfriend. And uh, you know, what, what would his life be back in LA? And then when he gets there, it's like different, you know, he doesn't, he just immediately goes to them, but nobody's really confronting the situation. So yeah, it's tough. It's a tough character. Um, It just, he's not really given a lot. And, uh, you know, he's the only character that I don't know, it, it, like has any warmth and tenderness by the end. Everyone else is so like in their own world, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, also, like, is it weird that he comes back into town and the first thing he does is he goes, he finds the girl and he just like goes in for the big kiss, like with with everything that's happened. And I think even when he's like walking around the the house like he's still a little like kind of swarmy i feel like because i think there's a part where he slaps some girl in the yeah. ass as he's walking by and it's yeah. like i don't know man like he made a few honestly, comments too in that party that it's it's hard to care about anybody in this movie only because of the fact that they were all given an opportunity to do anything they wanted with their life based off the resources they had at their at their disposal right and like they're all kind of idiots (laughs) you know in one way or another i mean he's like he's supposed to be our moral compass and our and our guy but like i don't know he's walking around like kind of just i don't know being a little like leery and lunging after after blair and then you know handsy with all the other so i which maybe you know in the 80s again like different sensibilities but still yeah. like in in a in a first view type thing uh i don't know like that's just, it was just all a little weird for me a little yeah much, but he, he it's weird like who is likable none of these characters are really likable i mean uh, i mean Clay- rip is pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> well the funny thing is like the most likable one out of them all is probably julian <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Rip's at least the most honest. Like he's like, look, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. This, this is, is this is, is who I am. This is what I do. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Uh so it's uh but like it, I think you could like you could really read into McCarthy's performance too, or at least the way the script kind of puts it, because it's like he escaped and went to school and he's he's in agony over losing uh losing Blair. Right. But like, is you know, it's not like he's got like a happy life. Like he's doing okay. Like it just seems like he's just sort of. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like there's this virtue of like you should go to school and you know stay in school and get educated and get a job and figure it. He sort of talk. They talk about it a little bit, but it's like, 
he I don't think he really wants to be there, but it, he does see it as a better alternative to like to where he came from. And so when he casually kind of goes back, it's like, you know, it's like coming back. It's it's coming back for that that yeah. winter break and you can you see your old friends and you know, he's like he's touching it, but it's not really who he is anymore. So he just sort of does yeah. it. But like, yeah, it's it seems like that that kind of, you know, young person clinging on to their past, not realizing how much they of their future they still have left, right? Like there's so many things that they haven't even been introduced to. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. But like, that's the thing. It's like you go away for a few months. You do, you do sort of grow in your own way and you're like, you know, but things didn't really change back home. So you've changed and it feels like the, you're coming back to sort of like a little bit of a, a foreign place. Like, and you, you realize it's just because you've changed a bit, like you've changed a little bit, even in mm-hmm. those first couple months. Yeah. And imagine like going to just going to like a, going to school and, and straightening your life out and like, and being away from like, partiers i mean that's what we assume right like that he's not living anything close to this lifestyle at school yeah i think you can assume that yeah, yeah. so it's just it's sort supposed of to be like, at an ivy league school right like yeah something all we sure. see all we see of it is his apartment and his butt in the moonlight walk right yeah right <laughs> screams um, ivy league to me <laughs> yeah uh anyway so i i i I think like they could have, yeah, gone a little further with his character, just like to sort of show that different those differences. But I think I think it's just sort of designed to like. But if he was too different, it'd be hard to watch him navigate this world he was very familiar with. So mm-hmm. it is kind of like this. He's not that far as far removed as he sort of preaches or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I don't think that's necessarily Andrew McCarthy's. No, that's Perfo- I mean, it's not his performance. It's, it's a script and a character thing. That oh yeah, yeah. I think it's not him. No, I think yeah, exactly. I think he was limited in how much he could do. Whereas the others get a lot of range that they can play. Right, his is a very different uh, situation. Yeah, yeah. I think he did the Much most he could him. with it as it was written. Let's see what's next. So they hired Avnet to kind of like risky business it up and. And we're changing the script. We, they've, they bring in Harley Payton, who was uh, later on a writer on Twin Peaks, uh, to do, I think, multiple rewrites on it and eventually bring it to where what we see on the screen. Uh, Marek Kanivska is hired to direct the film, uh, coming off of a movie called Another Country that they made that also dealt with really it's a, a British film that deals with, and I, I think it was Rupert, a really young Rupert Everett and Colin Firth uh, that also dealt with, um, you know, uh, antisocial character, not antisocial, but um, I don't know, uh, characters with drugs and sex and and very similar kind of tones to this movie. But um, mm-hmm. so felt like it would be a good fit for this. Uh, but yeah, they're making changes kind of like left and right. And it's really kind of like stuttering the production of the movie. So um, and by the time we get to uh, the finished script, it, it's quite quite different than the than the book and what yeah, I think the original intention was. So, um, you know, it, it feels like it is steering it way back into the lane of an of an '80s movie. You know, an '80s teen 
movie. So, uh, and what's Andrew McCarthy doing? I mean, he's coming off of, uh, this is still in early days for him, but he's coming off of class with Rob Lowe, St. Elmo's fire with, you know, key Brad pack film there and uh, pretty in pink. So yeah, amongst, you know, m- several movies of his that would come out in the year 1987 that, uh, we may or may not be talking about soon. So yeah, that's definitely not Brat Pack adjacent. He's he's certainly part of the Brat Pack. Oh, McCarthy, a hundred percent. Yeah, he's yeah. he's essential Brat Pack uh, member. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie Gertz uh, is coming off of. I forgot she was in Sixteen Candles uh, in oh. a small role, but uh, Quicksilver, uh, Crossroads. You ever see that with Ralph Macchio? Ralph Macchio, yeah. 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 Uh, Solar Babies with uh, actually two Jason Patrick films, Solar Babies and The Lost Boys. Solar Babies, I'm just going to say very bizarre movie. But if you want to hear about that, you can check out our good friend E.K. Wimmer's uh, podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, He recently covered the film and it's just it is a bananas movie. So (laughs) a wannabe sci-fi epic. Hmm. Haven't seen that. Used to love Quicksilver, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and uh, Robert Downey. Let's talk about our friend Robert Downey coming off Junior, of uh, Robert Downey Jr. So early in his career, not uh, Robert De Niro, not Robert De Niro. Uh, uh, Weird Science, uh, one season on Saturday Night Live. How bizarre was that year? That was uh, shared with Anthony Michael Hall and Randy Quaid and uh, a host of. Other, you know, like 70% of that cast was actors and not comic that, actors or comedians. The so. year that must be forgotten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Almost completely erased from history. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we talked about him briefly in Back to School, which you can listen to in the archives at www.reconsinimation.com. And a Molly Ringwald film called The Pickup Artist. Oh, yeah. So... But still, like that's a lot of movies in a very short period of time. Robert Downey Jr. now is, uh, would you say he's the most famous or successful actor in, in the business at the moment? In 1987? No, today. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's definitely the highest paid, right? I think. Is yeah. he still? I know he, I know he was for a time. I don't know if he still is. He's Might definitely be. one of the top. He's top tier. I mean, he's not making a ton of movies like The Rock is. I mean, I think probably the rock's making more money in actual yeah. well he's also in yeah he the rock does like 75 projects a year whereas yeah. downey does you know he produces a lot more and acts in very few so yeah yeah but i, I think, mean as long as he stays away from doing things like do little like he'll be he'll be bankable for many he, many years he made a sweetheart deal where like he gets a cut so of much. everything he get, he he was in for Marvel that like so much. I think it was something like he made a hundred million dollars off the first Avengers movie or something crazy yeah. like that. Like ridiculous. Like, yeah. Like and so just imagine do that over ten years of movies that he appears in. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he pretty yeah. much doesn't have to work. He's just like oh god, no. whatever. I already produces. He's good, to, uh, he's good to go. I already produces really good shows for HBO too. Oh neat. I heard a rumor what kind of shows like like cop shows uh maybe detective type shows oh detective shows. okay we'll have to get cool. into that yeah you check it out do do some investigating but um uh yeah his career is just amazing 
I mean, he's, you know, behind the scenes, uh, you know, the, the movies that he's made themselves, uh, it's really remarkable. And it's probably like the comeback story of, of the business. I mean, he, and, and this is, this movie is sort of key to that because it's, it's really the beginning of the, a personal downward spiral for him and, and a case of art imitating life or life imitating art, you know, however you want to read it. But, uh, you know, playing this character that he's said it, that playing Julian in, in less than zero, he was already using drugs. I mean, he was, he was using it, but it was, he was functioning, uh, playing this character, even though you see what Julian goes through and how it ends up for him, he was dove headfirst way deep into it. And that went for years. I mean, this is 1987. He didn't really pull the nose up till the early 2000s, right? Was when, I mean, he had been in and out of jail and rehab and his career was kind of starting and stopping and really not that it couldn't get out of first gear because he's such a talented actor that the roles he did were, were so great. You know, movies like Chaplin, um, you know, so many good performances, but he could never get to that like higher level. I mean, it took him another 25 years before he hit that level. I feel like, I feel like when he, uh, and I, this is just my, my own perception of this, but like, I feel like it wasn't until kiss, kiss, bang, bang, that he really like stepped back out into, into it. Or, or, or it was like the, uh, for me, the role that was most recognizable is his like kind of coming out party of, again, you know, yep. like this, remember me, Hey, I'm still around. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely kiss, kiss, bang, bang for sure. I, I remember that very well. And wow, that was 2005. That's and right. that was, yeah. That was like his, like, I'm, I'm back. We're going to try it one more time. And yeah. then he gets Iron Man, like, like almost immediately after that. Uh, yeah. Iron Man was 2008. Yeah. yeah. And that's when it just blew the doors off yeah. everything. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, I mean, he had a couple in between there. Sure. Uh, like, but they're, you know, they were just still like solid performances, you know, a guide to recognizing your saints, um, Zodiac. Right you know, those type yeah. things, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was Iron Man that changed the whole fabric of his career. Yeah. And, you know, almost every movie, I mean, the majority of them are Marvel movies, but you know, pretty much everything he's touched has been really, really, really successful. Um, I also like the judge, which came out maybe six years or so ago, him and Robert Duvall, um, a non-Marvel <laughs> down. Yeah, film. Check so. that out. Yeah. Uh, nice guys. Uh, oh, that. Wait, was he in Nice Guys? Is he sure? He's uncredited, so I don't know. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, he must have just seven a, appearance. Just a bit part, but that's the same director that did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, right? It's Shane. It's Shane Black. Yeah, and who yeah. did Iron Man three? So there's yeah. de definitely a connection. So yeah. Um. But yeah, incredible, uh, incredible comeback and career, and and, but this was you know, the start of a very uh, tough time for him behind the scenes. And uh, how do you, it was interesting to me that you could play a character like this and see that and still want to do drugs, you know? Well, is, is it, isn't it method? Like, is that, I mean, cause a lot, you know, I feel like 
oftentimes we hear of these actors who do characters like this that, you know, do kind of, maybe they were in a dark place to begin with. I don't mm -hmm. know, but like ultimately there's a character that pushes them past the, past the boundaries. I mean, I don't know how, how, you know, like Heath Ledger and, and the Joker and things like that. Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, you hear stories about how that pushed him into a dark place and, you know, I, but I don't, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, that was a good theory back then, but then that was sort of debunked. Like he, he really it? just, okay, he, yeah. he died, he really just died of an accident of, of mixing the wrong prescriptions and stuff, but all right, that's, um, yeah, no, no, no worries. But like, but like you, yeah, you get those stories and you kind of hear like, that's, but like uh, actors who really get into these roles, like, you know, imagine having to play a depressed character, just depressed, yeah. you know? that's like your but your brain doesn't know you're pretending right like once you're especially if you're like doing it like you're you have to get into the headspace to portray the character so you're actually like making it happen for you you know it starts to feel real so yeah depending on what your things are are, are driving you like so for downey to have to portray like going to the darkest place he's ever been and with and like it seems like that would be the answer. Like, is it, you know, can fall down that fall down that way, you know? And like, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be that difficult for, for depending on what his other, you know, proclivities and demons and things that like where drugs are sort of the, 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 uh, you know, the, the balm, the temporary balm, but like going so far. Yeah. Yeah. But like, no, it's, it's absolutely happened. I mean, that's one. Well, he was, I mean, he was still pretty young at the time. And so I have to imagine yeah. knowing where he ended up that he was using drugs pretty regularly on the, you know, while filming this movie as well. And then if I, I, I believe, you know, he got praised for having a, a, a standout performance in, in the movie, you know? And so like, if he's getting, uh, you know, recognition and stuff like that, you know, I mean, it just kind of like feeds into this sort of vicious cycle you know yeah so. and it's like it's he's in in an industry or yeah and and yeah and everything is an enabler everyone's an enabler yeah. and everything is accessible and you're you have the pressures of being more and more famous and um yeah and you have access to everything like and he, he was 22 when he did this movie like that's not that's yeah. hard that's the if you're not if your shit isn't straight like it's it's hard to navigate you know yeah which I think needs to be on a t-shirt. If <laughs> your shit isn't straight, it's hard to navigate. That's right. I like it. And you can find that at our soon, soon to be, uh, soon to be Recon created. Store. The Recons in a store. Yeah. <laughs> Get your merch. Write that one down, David. Yeah, we'll do. Merch coming soon, everybody. Uh, yeah. So, all right, let's talk about the fourth, the fourth, uh, leg here uh it is james spader who's a spader fan david Rel you have to be you reluctantly have to be. reluctantly Re reluctantly why why reluctantly no he's <laughs> he's just he's he's very he's very good at what he does and he's always he always plays like the smartest character in the room and the, sort of the i don't know he's just he's great but it, like there's always something sinister about james spader yeah. like yeah. He never plays a character that you want to root for, but he's always really good at the characters he plays. I will, right? I will throw one movie out where he does Stargate. Oh, right. Right. 
Okay. But, but right there, he's playing the smartest character in the room. Well, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's great. And he's, and he's overshadowed by Kurt. So oh, well, yeah. It's, it's hard to stand next to Kurt Russell, for sure. Yeah. It's fascinating <laughs> thinking of him as like the nerd, Standing just the, just the nerdy character in a yeah. sci-fi movie. It's just, it's really weird. It's yeah. There's always something brooding and sort of dark about Spader. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's yeah. sex lies and videotape or even like his character on the office. was like, yeah, very yeah. bizarre. Yeah. He's just a comedic absurd version of, of the characters he always plays. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, great though. He's I mean, great he's, in this. he's yeah. very good. He's very good. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 James Spader is, uh, is a, is a draw for me. Like, yeah, I want to see what he's going to do. Well, cause at first, you know, the rip character, I think also sort of pivots in probably the middle of the movie as you get more involved with him. But in those first few scenes, it almost seems like he like has sympathy for Julian that, you know, that he's, that he's I got a little bit of heart left in him. Whereas, you know, in the second half, it's no, that's all gone and it's all business. And he would yeah, I mean, he doesn't care about Julian at all. So well, I mean it's it's crazy you would give someone like Julian 50 grand. Like right. like was that I guess that's a business deal. That's not just money for drugs. Like he gave No, him, that wasn't dr- that was for his you know, record uh, label or a club that he probably thought he was investing in, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So like huge chunk of money. And then I think he, I, I mean, I'm not, I can't read the character specific, but like he, he, he can come off as like, I, I sort of bought it. Like he, he was kind of rooting for Julian, you know, but like at a certain point, business is business. And he's yeah. like, F this. Yeah. Um, because like, and then eventually gets to the point where they're threatening to kill him. And then, you know, Julian shows up and he, you know, he forces him to work, but like, I thought like, well, if Julian just shows up, they're just going to kill him. Like, you know, I, I thought that could be it, but yeah. Um, but the rip character, you know, he, he sees opportunity everywhere. So he just takes him back. It's like, just come work. You're going to work for me now. Just- well, I think in the beginning of the movie too, there's still that like hope that he's just going to get the 50,000 back. Right. Yeah. You know, for like, he's going to get, he's given him the benefit of the doubt for months seemingly, that, There's not months is, in this movie. It was it was days. It was, the speed yeah. in which everything it's, transpires is yeah. like less than a week. Blazing. <laughs> yeah. So. But I mean, when he first borrowed, he first borrowed the money from Rip was probably, you know, within a month or something before. Yeah. You know, before this, but uh, yeah. So he's so probably then, like, if Julian had given him the money back, that would have been it. Right. Uh, but like, and then as he make, makes that decision. Okay, Julian. You know what? Julian's never gonna get me that money, so we're gonna do this another way. Right, right. And a dark way that is. Yeah, I mean, he's got what's 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 his crony's name? Bill. Bill looks like looks like Bosworth. What's his name? Yeah, <laughs> Brian the Boz. Bri- the Boz, Brian oh. Bosworth. Yeah. Um, Probably could get him. Yeah, and that actor. I mean, we've seen him all over the place in uh, a number of Tarantino movies. Oh my God. I just blanked on his name, but it is uh, Michael Bowen. Hmm. Um, he was in kill bill. He was in, uh, I'm not sure if he was in out of sight, but he was in Jackie Brown. 
uh, partners with the Michael Keaton character. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and a, a ton of other things, but uh, that last season of Breaking Bad, uh, he's been all over the place. So um, yeah. Uh, and apparently Brad Pitt is somewhere in this movie. That's the rumor. Yeah. The oh, yeah. Room, right. That he's one of the people at, a, at the part, one of the parties and he's uh, a kid at the fight. Is, is, that, is that what it was he's got, he's got a yeah he's got a couple different character names associated with his uncredited but yeah, apparently party, party goer and preppy kid at fight yeah apparently on set he kept trying to throw a line out there and was <laughs> <laughs> almost fired uh for doing that but wow. uh, uh i guess he made something of himself so yeah yeah <laughs> Just, uh, just yeah, all, all these actors, um, it's interesting to see where their careers went and, and, you know, Downey and Spader, massive success. Jamie Gertz had a solid career. We also talked about her in our Twister episode, uh, but uh, I, I had the opportunity to work with her as well. And she was fantastic and, uh, you know, cool person and someone on our set who looked like you know sort of like Kiefer Sutherland on Halloween dressed up as Kiefer from Lost Boys and they were taking pictures and stuff together <laughs> that's funny that was amusing but um yeah so I don't know one another thing that was tough for me with this movie was just the level of that 80s decadence that that house party in the beginning was like just absurd you know, it's, it, I mean, it was more like an art gallery. Maybe it was an art gallery, but it seemed like when they walked up to it, that it was a house or like a mansion with those, those, I mean, how many monitors were there? That was just like, what, what, what is this place? And then there was like all sorts of slides and, you know, look like icebergs in the back and very similar to David's setup. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. That's, that's uh yeah, that's, that was one hell of a party when he, like just getting the invitation of let's f christmas like <laughs> like that wow <laughs> like this is from his high school friend uh, yeah like uh i can't even imagine the resources uh, this 19 year old person had <laughs> <laughs> like the just the art install there's like there's like 10 different art installations in this movie yeah <laughs> like, right just like all over the place like it's just like it's it, it's it's drugs and art that that's that's hollywood that's like that's los angeles kind of situation yep. and uh excess just a yeah. whole lot of excess yeah. yeah and edgy it's a lot of edgy shit like it's uh yeah um one thing know. i really did i so even though it was you know 80s sort of gaudiness uh, I think the production design was effective because I think that's, they were trying to show that excess. So, yeah. and the way it was shot, I think um, uh, the visuals by Ed, Edward Lockman, the DP were really some really, really good stuff. I loved that shot at the end after, you know, everything's gone down with Julian where they're there. I mean, it's gotta be a helicopter shot coming all the way across the desert and going right all the way into and stopping and going all the way into them in the car. Uh, Really beautiful shot. And I'm sure very difficult to time that so perfectly. 
Yeah. Easy yeah, for the really, actors. Just just stay there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hang out. You wait and just be and we'll come to you. Yeah, I think I think that's right. The, it's it's really I mean, as far as the cinematography, you know, like I feel like it is pretty beautifully shot and um you know, the like you were saying, the aesthetic is is interesting. I don't know if I was so interested because like because it was the 80s and it was like kind of nostalgic look of everything or if it's just like now that look of this movie is kind of the 80s stereotype of what I mean it kind of fits right into whatever that that kind of 80s mm-hmm. um you know big hair and and shoulder pads and I, yeah I loud know, colors just, and yeah so yeah almost like a LA good. version of Miami Vice right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but speaking of colors, uh, there's a there's a whole theme going on with the colors and the, the color tone blue um, that is present in almost every scene. There's some kind of blue light, which I think sort of represents the darkness that these characters are sort of living in in one way or another. I mean, even in when you see McCarthy in the in the the East Coast, uh, whatever apartment that he's in covered in blue light almost like a james cameron kind of blue light right and then everywhere in la it's just blue 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 somewhere whether even when like clay and blair are in the tunnel and kind of having their 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 fight about what to do about julian there's like a blue light shining into the tunnel right at them yeah um and then at the end when they've finally broken free you know sort of emotionally and spiritually or physically, you know, they're in that, that daylight, that, you know, bright daylight, no blue, just regular sunlight, but they've sort of, I don't want to say that they've lost, but they've lost something, you know, along the way. And that's Julian and, and they're going to have to move on, but they've sort of, that's the symbolism. They've sort of shaken it. I, I hated that that while you would wear sunglasses at a funeral in LA when he's sitting out when they're he and Jamie Gertz are sitting on the bench and he kind of has like a little monologue his eyes are covered by sunglasses and I'm like this this was ter- like the terrible choice like yeah yeah like you need to see those eyes because I don't know like Andrew McCarthy's wonderful and everything but we've watched him be so you know, limited by the script to like to give him something meaty to do and to, to cover his most important, like an actor's one of actors tools, like the eyes to communicate. I just like, yeah, I can't believe that. I can't believe they did that. It's a, it's an unbelievable choice. Well, and that's, that's a scene I had a problem with that, that like, Oh, I should have, I should have done this. I should have helped him like seeing just kind of stating the obvious really um, that, that scene kind of, jarred me a little bit it's sort of mm-hmm. your that was when i say your after school special like yeah that's it's a kind of the scene it's a little cliche yeah oh, sure yeah. yeah but like you know that's he could have like he could have made that a little more effective or like emotionally like poignant i think yeah um, right cry yeah what, you think years you think mccarthy can't cry come on he sure can do he it can cry. sure he cries I'm sure he's a crier <laughs> um all right so the the movie is finished. Uh, they start screening it for test audiences and not getting a lot of good feedback. Uh, the character, the, the character, they're finding the characters really unlikable. There's uh, on this version of the movie, there's no, nothing redeeming about them. 
So they go back and they start adding scenes to give uh, to show that they've learned something, that they've they've redeemed themselves. That the, the scene with uh, Blair, where she tosses, decides not to do coke anymore, and tosses <laughs> it down the drain. Like that was an yeah. add-on. That's, I could see that being an add-on. That makes yeah. sense. And when you know it, you're like, oh, of course, yeah, that's yeah, that's called reshoots. So. Um, I, I, and then I, the graduation I, scene in the beginning, same thing. Hmm. Give it some context and show them in happier times and uh, to give you more of, I think, something to root for with Julian specifically. That like, oh, this was a good guy. Like, this was a good kid who had a bright future and now he's just, you know, he's kind of fucked it up for himself, but we shouldn't give up on him. Yeah. Yeah, because if you never saw him happy... It'd be hard to like, I mean, yeah, it's just harder to want to see him come out of it, like mm-hmm. he, uh, out of his, out of a struggle. I mean, yeah, you, you want to root for the person you met, like, <laughs> like the people that you met in the beginning of the movie. I think it's a great add on. I think it's, I think it absolutely helps sells the story uh, a little bit. I'm like that. And like, I'm fine with like the, you know, Jamie, you know, Jamie have, or Blair having the arc of like, she 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 could have gone in either direction and she made she actually made the choice right um and then you know i don't know it's just at least at least she won't become like julian as far as we know you know um uh so you kind of can be relieved with that i don't know Mm -hmm. but like yeah i don't know how much is how much is uh clay really what growth did Clay really have other than just having regret? Like for, for, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Does he have a good arc? No, no. Other than that, he's the rescuer. I mean, the attempted rescuer and he rescues Blair. I think him coming back and just getting involved was enough to, you know, and with the combination with seeing how it goes for Julian helps give her an out and and she leaves with him at the end yeah which is also not what happens in the book they're Mm -hmm. you know he he leaves but they all stay so sure is his is is uh andrew mccarthy's character's name in and pretty in pink blair is it oh it might be i i don't remember i've it's been a while since i've seen it and it's like i guess because it seemed like that preppy the, the, the preppy because he plays like a big preppy character right in mm-hmm. that movie or something like that yeah i want to say it would be blair but uh, i just it's it, it, it's a pointless question never it's, mind it's it's blaine blaine, blaine. okay nothing right, ever close. happens in close. blaine close blaine yeah blaine blaine <laughs> uh all right so so they add, you know, they add these scenes in to kind of fill the movie out a little bit. And um, let's talk. Should we talk a little, a uh, little box office, a little bo? See yeah. how the, how the movie fared. Yeah, let's. It's now time for box office glory. Is that what we're calling this that's, segment that, now? That, box office it. glory. I've been calling it that. Have you since yeah. she's, oh, he's been sorry? I should lately. pay attention more. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. The movie's got an eight million dollar budget. It comes out, which seems so small for like these guys, even being stars of the day, that seems like a, a you know a, a low budget there. But it comes out November 6, 1987. It opens up against 
Hello Again with Shelley Long, Death Wish 4, Charles Bronson, and Hiding Out with John Cryer. So there's the 80s competition. Uh, But it only uh, makes it to number four between Baby Boom and Suspect. So Fatal, Fatal Attraction was still riding high at that point. But Baby Boom also, which features James Spader. So, oh, right. Who's in multiple, another guy who's in multiple movies in 1987. Yeah. Um, Baby Boom. Was that, who else was in that? Was that Diane, Diane, Diane Keaton. Keaton? Harold Ramis. Great, great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's only got a $3 million opening weekend. Grand total domestic run is about 12.3. So, made money. It made money, but not not much. And I, I couldn't actually get a read on internationally how it did, but uh, so I'm, I'm sure it did make money, but not wasn't was not considered a hit. Uh, so it ends up number seventy eight of nineteen eighty seven mm-hmm. between the fourth protocol and Back to the Beach with uh, Frankie uh, Frankie and Annette, Annette. and Annette. Oh, oh my! I remember yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Back to the beach. Is that the there one was, with the bird? Is that the one where Pee Wee Herman gets on a yes. surfboard and says, "Everybody, that right?" Yep. There was what that year. There was back to uh, back to the beach, back to school, summer school, all Ooh, those summer school, all those like. Have we done around. that? We need to do that for the podcast. Put it on the list. Oh, it's being put on the list. <laughs> when was ski school? Ski, ski school. I want to say that was eighty-eight. Okay. Yeah, we can throw that on the list. I like ski school. Ski school is great. It's raunchy and terrible, probably, but it (laughs) it was funny. I saw it twice in the theaters, at least. Did you really? Yeah. Is ski school or ski patrol? Oh, ski patrol. I'm thinking of is the one with uh, who's the director? He's like a big. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Paul Paul Feige. No, Paul. No, no, no. No, um, Paul. the guy who did, uh, did Peter, Peter, oh, I'm thinking Peter Berg, Aspen Extreme. Oh, Sorry, Aspen Extreme. Oh yeah. my gosh, Peter Berg, who is a big time director, directs a bunch of stuff, mostly now with uh, Mark Wahlberg in it. But he's uh, he used to be an actor. I always get it mixed up with the other ski. He was an actor for a long time. We we talked about yeah. him in our Copland episode. There you go. I wasn't a part of that one. Didn't happen. Pre-Brent. Pre-Brent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Feig uh, was also in Ski Patrol. That's what I was thinking of. So. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so not a huge uh, uh, box office championship win for, for less than zero. Um, it, uh, I don't know. Let's, is it effective as a, movie about drug addiction you uh, watching it now do you think it's really effective on that level or are there are there other uh drug sort of related movies that that are are better suited because you've got you know you've got train spotting you've got requiem for a dream you've got yeah i mean i think that it's all traffic yeah i mean i i think that it is now just another i mean because i didn't see it when it came out it's just another one of the movies that's kind of in a long line of movies about people who fall too far into to drug use right mm-hmm. so yeah um i mean there's a there's a handful of others 
uh, I mean, you mentioned a few of them, but like basketball diaries as well, yeah. you know, just like right. things like that. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, prior to this, there's probably a couple here and there as well, but I just, um, you know, I mean, this one just happens to be set in the eighties and, you know, that's, I don't really, it's hard to, it's hard to say that this one really stands out in any way. Yeah. I mean, this one is so, so eighties, you know, I think it's, I think it's weakened as a whole, you know, by the, by the, the script and the, the changes that they made a really strong performance by Downey and, and looking at his, you know, his character in the film, I think is very well, is very well done, very strong, still a, a good you know performance on that level compared with with your train spottings and and all those other films uh but it's sort of like the other stuff that brings it down and some of the other characters and the um you know i think it being set in the 80s so so strongly is tough to uh you get sort of blinded by that yeah i mean it's Oh, go ahead, David. Well, yeah, I mean, it's especially it's like Southern California, eighties, rich decadence. Like it's it's hard to really like to really engage on it. Like really, it's very specific, and it, it does lack a, a you know a, a certain compelling story. I mean, it's almost this almost plays like an indie film. Like that's just like we need to tell one story about this one man and like but then like all these other things are tacked on like the like the relation like that the, they were a trio but then like there was the betrayal and then it's like they're all having s- slightly different stories going on and I, like i feel like it it like doesn't go far enough in in certain directions and and like yeah it's just it's not as so, it's not solid enough it's, mm-hmm. it's it's lacking something um that all these other movies that we're talking about like how ha- like have better a better way to kind of go into this material mm-hmm. yeah i think this movie lacks I, I mean i think it's difficult for the majority of audiences or anybody to really like relate or empathize with any any yeah. of the characters that are in the movie yeah. you know like it just makes it hard it makes like i don't know you know like train spotting basketball diaries like i think there's like those type movies the other ones that you mentioned you know like all of them probably stand out better because they're are i think pieces you know even like the working man kind of kind of blue collar approach to the to the characters in some of them is easier for the majority of people to somehow you know connect to this is just like it's very elitist it feels like and like Mm -hmm. it's a very small kind of uh you know subset of people probably can can even even would like who cares you know like who like these like i said earlier like these are people that had everything kind of every opportunity kind of handed out there to them and obviously you don't want to see anybody struggle you know you want everybody to be able to to make it but at the same time it's like all right well it again it's like if they had if the this movie would have come off i think just a bit worse without that graduation scene so it's like sort of like if you don't have a way for these people to seem like real characters, then you're just, you're looking at this, at these strange characters, the strange grown up on the East coast, man, like Los Angeles and California were exotic. It was an exotic place, yeah. man. Like, and this would, this would be just like that. Like, wow, Los Angeles is crazy. Like yeah. what goes on there? Like everyone's just 
throwing lavish parties and there's a weird edgy art everywhere and it's yeah. neon lights and it's like and then just dark shit dark you know darkness everywhere yeah i mean uh, i agree i think that i think that opening graduation scene is really important but at the same time like a big part of that uh, what gets told to us there is that, you know, uh, Julian's dad gave him 50 grand without getting into college to go start a record, you know, like who, yeah. who has that chance, right? You know, like, who yeah. has that opportunity, you know, like yeah. F that guy, <laughs> you know, like, like, well, wait a minute, I mean, you know, I'm just saying like, 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 okay, well, all right, that's cool. Like this, it's going to be that kind of movie, but like, I mean, I think that's, that's my thought on it anyway sorry you can't you can't dog on on nicholas Pryor, who plays uh his dad in this movie he's he's like the hollywood dad from the 80s and <laughs> and early 90s yeah. he was he's the dad in risky business and this movie yeah he's all over the place and i think didn't he just show up we saw him in uh uh was it um captain uh america and the winter soldier oh did he yeah he's, uh, he's, he's in that he's was it? I forget the character's name, but he's in like two episodes. He's just got a couple of scenes. Obviously, he's much older now, but oh, yeah. uh, I recognize soldier. Yeah, Oznik. Um, I recognize him. Like, oh my god, he's still going, still, still going. I thought yeah. he did a good job in this movie, as you know the the uh, dad has been pushed too far, and is and and. Uh, I don't know. Again, that seems like a quick about face for a father and son in, in like three months to have totally exiled him. And, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a hard, you know, as a, as a dad, uh, you know, yeah. like that's, I mean, couldn't do it. <laughs> well, I, I, what, what do you do? Could you, yeah. could you not like, I mean, you don't want to continue to enable uh, the habit, but at the same, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I hope I never have to make that decision. It's a great scene where they where they make make up too, yeah, you know, yeah. at least temporarily. Like that, it yeah. really that's a touching, touching moment. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you you, I feel like there the the times when when, uh, he uh, when Julian's being sincere and about trying to like change. I think he I, he wanted. I think it was real. Like you, you know, he he yeah. meant it. You know, and but. Um, and like, so yeah, when his father actually, like actually cracks and I was like, all right, stay here, be, stay sober for a week. Yeah. And give me that. And like, you can begin to, I just like, I was, I was lovely. I was like, okay, the yeah. father's not a complete, complete terrible person. Yeah. Not that he was necessarily terrible. Again, it's a struggle when we don't, we don't know the full story, you know, between them, you just get the hints of what it was. Yeah. The last third or last, I don't know, 40 minutes, 30 minutes of, of, kind of Robert Downey and, and his trying to like, he knows he needs to clean up and all that. Like it's, I mean, he, he's great in the movie altogether, but, yeah. but yeah. I think that stuff is really powerful, really powerful. And I, I, this still is up there as far as one of his favorite performances of his, you know, he's, he still says this is one of his top performances. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally solid, especially when he's, uh, really in bad shape um just very believable and um seems very accurate yeah he's he's third billing in this movie i know that's it's so crazy is that it's it's so like 
early in his career that he's the third build. Yeah. That that would never happen. Not <laughs> not anymore. No. And they would not be making this movie for eight million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want RDJ? Yeah. $100 million, please. You, you could have him for like three days for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, knock it out of the park. There's a lot of uh, actor connections here. So this is the second of three movies that Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader would do together. Can you name the other movies, the other two? Oh, uh, Avengers 2. There you go. Also uh, known as Age of Ultron. There you go. Uh, and then, very good. I feel like something else in the early '90s or something. Wrong. No. <laughs> what? Uh, a movie, I have no idea. A movie called Tough Turf, which came out before this, uh, oh. with uh, yeah, with uh, I think Spader's the lead in that. So I've seen that. Everybody's seen Tough Turf. Whoa, look at Spader. I've seen that. Now, this is also the, uh, I believe, the first of three connections between Andrew McCarthy and James Spader. Can you name the other two? Is there One's very obvious. The Blacklist? No. That is one. Yeah. Is the it Blacklist. Really? Yeah. Andrew McCarthy is a director of The Blacklist. Hey. I knew that. Yeah. McCarthy, so, McCarthy, very, very successful uh, director now. A much, I don't think he acts much at all anymore, but he did Orange is the New Black and The Blacklist and a few other shows. So, oh, very good. Well, I don't but, know what the other one is, David. No, I couldn't tell you. Might be one we're talking about very soon. A little movie called Mannequin. Oh, Really? Yeah, oh, he's the evil like mall manager. Spader is? Spader is, yeah. Much different look. <laughs> Sp- Wait, geez, Spader had a busy 1987. He Dude, did. He's in at least three movies. Mannequin, why, Baby why Boom, Less Than Zero, and Wall Street. He's in all yeah. four of those movies. Yeah, never mind Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's Six, de- six Degrees of Spader. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so less than zero. Where would you let's rank it? Let's rank it on our McCarthy meter from one to ten or zero to ten. How many, how many, uh, Andrew McCarthy's would you give it? Yeah, I'm like a 5.5 maybe on this. I think, it, I think there's things about it that's like that are, are great, like as we talk about the performances. That's the that's the strong part uh, and, and interesting visuals cinematography, great strong stuffs there. But it's you know it's a bit of a the script is lacking for its characters and um and it's just yeah it's just, there's just something missing. So uh, yeah five five point five for me. All right, yeah. Brensky, what do you think? I'm probably right in around that range, like five five point five. We'll go five point two five. just to split it but yeah right around there same kind of thoughts as david had you know there's there's some redeeming elements to the movie some pretty interesting stuff in certain cases uh some of the performances are pretty great but overall there's no real hero for you to connect with you know actually the hero character is a little vanilla and one note i just you know 
there's not a lot going on. And I think there's other movies that kind of address or approach the same sort of topics that are just much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with you guys. I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna give it a straight five, uh, but hard to identify with you know hard to identify with these characters as you covered earlier, Brent. But great performances by some of these actors. If you're a Downey fan, absolutely. If you're a Jamie Gertz fan, hell, if you're a McCarthy fan, it, it's 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 not the actor's fault. The 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 uh, the downside of this movie, you know, they they. I think do the best they can with the, with what they have. And obviously Downey is a little bit different here. He's got a lot to work with uh, really, really strong performances, but the movie as a whole has its problems and um, just, I don't think it's aged as well as it could have. I'm curious. I know they took the movie away from the director and post. So I'm curious what a, another version of this movie, because I think I have a feeling that there was a lot more, edgy you know edgy material that was shot that just never made it in and even if it's different takes there's been so uh, so what i heard is that hulu tried to make a mini series out of it and Mm -hmm. it didn't get picked up after the pilot but also tarantino has been uh, you know as few years back at least has been nosing around trying to to potentially remake the book so I don't know if I don't know if it'd be truer to the book. My guess is probably since it's Tarantino, but um, yeah, that would be maybe interesting. Yeah, that would uh, I would be scared <laughs> of Tarantino doing this book. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd be frightened. Yeah, it'd be it, he'd he'd leave all the dark bits in. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, if you're if you're interested in if you're a fan of the book, uh, there is a sequel that was written yeah. in 2010 or 11 2010 yeah. called Imperial Bedrooms, and you can see what happened to Clay and all these characters and how it ends up. It's very um, characters up end up in very different places than than you would than what happens in the movie. Does yeah. Julian survive the book? Does Julian survive in the book? Yes, yeah. and uh, I won't spoil what happens in the in the second book, but he definitely uh, survives the first one, and uh, it's interesting what happens to all of them in the second one. Okay, did you read it? Did you read that? Book? No, I haven't. Re- I haven't read the second one. I've read about it, but yeah. I've not read it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sequel to the book, not Correct. to the movie. Not so to all the, the movie. characters, yeah, but. In, in it, they talk about the movie that was made, the movie Less Than Zero that was made f- about them. Oh, really? So they, oh, that's yeah. interesting. And in American Psycho, how very meta. Patrick Bateman talks about how, you know, he loves Jamie Gertz and he has this whole sexual fantasy about him sleeping with Jamie Gertz. Wow. So there's a lot of interwoven it's all stuff. Inter- interwoven. And in Rules of Attraction, isn't that the brother of the... Yeah, it's like Patrick Bayman's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all all the books are sort of really connected. There are characters that sort of come in and out and cross uh, stories. So, yeah, cool. But, <clears throat> all right, cool. So that's uh, that's entry number one in An- Andrew McCarthy August. Uh, we're going to be hitting McCarthy movies all month long. So stay tuned. It's going to be a really fun month. We're going to get a lot lighter. Let me just say yeah. that. 
I won't spoil it. Maybe you can guess what we're gonna do, but uh, it's gonna. I get think a lot you've more already you've already told one of them. You've already <laughs> you already said one. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. You definitely did. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, stay tuned for that, and uh, we're going to have a good time. So, uh, of course, if you want to uh, follow us, you can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're at Reconsimation Podcast. Uh, you can track us on our, our old episodes and our archives at our website, www.reconsimation.com. Thank you very much to our friends, E.K. Wilmer, for the brand new theme song. Uh, it's always sounding great, and don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. And our friend Curtis Moore for the fantastic poster, as always. So uh, that about wraps it up. I think we are going to see you guys uh, as the month of August continues here at Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>